0: Hey, good morning, church. Um, I grew up uh, with intergenerational service every Sunday because we were a church about 20. And so whether you were like 100 or 2, you just sat all together, okay? So um, I remember every morning in our service that we would have a testimony time. And we would have these amazing people in our church just share about what is going on in their life. About what, what are they praising God for? What are the blessings? And so I'm going to do that quickly with you today. I'm going to walk down the aisles. Is there a, is there a testimony? Is there a praise that you want to let our church know what's going on? Because a lot of times you come to church, right? You sit and you hear. Maybe you'll say hello in the fellowship hall or through the parking lot. But I remember growing up in church, for the very first time, hearing people praise the Lord. Hearing testimonies and hearing, like, what does God do in life? And I was in high school, church is so new to me, and hearing these praises were just encouraging to me years and years later on, so I'm going to walk down real quick, is there, is there a praise in this room of what is God doing in your life right now, just raise your hand, and I'll come to you with the mic, and you can just tell me, is there a praise in this room that God is doing, so God is not doing anything in this church then, huh? huh, <laughs> oh. Megan, yes, Um, two weeks ago, my brother came to church with me for the first time. That is definitely a praise. Is there another praise? Is there another blessing? We got one. All right. God's working slowly. It's a small one. Yesterday, I was um, leaving my dance class and driving along Telegraph Avenue, and Pastor Cheryl walked across the street, Mm -hmm. and I waved to her, and she waved to me, and I was happy to see her. (laughs) All right, one more. One more. So we've got a newcomer to our church, seeing an older sister in our church that would serve us. And we have one last one. Can you pass it down there for me? This may only be a praise in our family, but my son Micah and his team won the district champions for um, the, the East Bay. Yes. In baseball. Yesterday. Nice. Nice. <laughs> his team is... Uh, the o- uh, Oakland, and they have A's colors, but their whole family is Dodger fans, so I'm like, you know that right now, so I put, I put Let's Go Oakland proudly on, um, uh, Priscilla's husband's page. Um, you know, something about, um, our intergenerational services, they're always special because we get to do it together, and I want to share about my family, so my name is On, I'm one of the pastors here, and it is such a delight to be with you this morning, and this is my family, um, I have a sister named Angelique, I have a younger brother named Anton, and I have a youngest brother named Tony. And these are my parents, uh, Nowick, uh, which is my middle name, and then my mom, Tuh, is T-H-O. And I'm going I'm to call up, if you are uh, a, a, a grade, school, uh, grade school, middle school, high school, even college, I want you come up here. We're going to do a little bit of uh, kind of like teaching time over here real quick. So if you're in grade school, high school, even college, come on up, and you come sit over here. Come on up. You're in college, coming up. I see you, Laura. Come on up. Sit right here. <laughs> just, just sit right here. Just sit right here. Just sit right here. Now, now, you don't have to come up. If you want to come up more, more, more than Mary, okay? It's, it's funny how you all facing everybody else. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching right here, everyone. Okay. <laughs> Hey, so like most families, um, like most families, my family uh, came here like most families as uh, refugees. Um, they were people that had a vision and dream to one day provide better for not for themselves but also for um, for, for their families. And so, um, my family, um, like many other cultures and races here in the U.S., um, we're all some way immigrants, right, from another place to be here. Um, and so this week, I actually got a chance to know more about my stories. So my dad walked through Cambodia to Thailand, and that's where they actually, um, my dad actually reconnected with my mom because they met earlier on in, in Saigon in Vietnam. And they actually met in Singapore at a refugee camp there. And from Singapore, that's where they found each other. Um, I guess they loved one another. They had me there. And then uh, we ended up in Malaysia for a while a bit. And from Malaysia, uh, in the, the U.S., and see, so we grew up in, in San Jose um, in, on the east side. Um, and we were really poor. And um, I'm going to try to do some ASLs. So I'm going to do some ASL right now. So ASL is, you know, just sign language. And so this right here means poor. Can, can everyone just do it with me? This is here to grab your, your elbow and right here and just, just tap it twice. Um, I grew up really poor. Um, we, were on, um, we were on welfare. We were on food stamps. Um, my dad did everything he can to provide for the family. Uh, we had a hot dog stand. We, he had uh, food trucks before food trucks were all popular and crazy. Um, he did uh, home catering. And he wanted to be, um, to be rich. He wanted to, to be wealthy. And this is um, another way to say uh, rich is I want you to hand out and open the box like that. This is rich. Right, this is not me doing this. This is ASL, okay? So this means rich, okay? He wanted to be rich. And so like any father, right, to be rich, right, you have to to make money and so it was really hard growing up because i knew that we were poor i knew that he wanted to be rich and so like when i was young growing up like like any kid right what do you want to do when you grow up? what do you want to have and so my pictures are always about money and about having mansions right so i know about you all right growing up if you wanted to be rich you had to have the money and you had to what have a mansion right now here's the thing now growing up to being um uh, being different, being culturally wise, being also a refugee, right? Um, favor, being, uh, seeing and, and, and feeling kind of like uh, discrimination and favoritism was highly, uh, I, I, felt, I faced that a lot when I was growing up. So I want you with your hands right now. I want you to get your middle finger. I want you to touch your chin. This is the word favor, right? And the word favor is that when I was growing up, just because of my culture, who I was and where I was, I was uh, not favored the most to do anything in school, really. I wasn't very smart. Um, I didn't have a lot of good clothes. Um, My looks wasn't always there. And I had definitely no money, for sure. So I was definitely, definitely poor. Okay, I was not rich, right? So not a lot of people definitely, definitely gave me favoritism. But the one thing that I really started to really face about favoritism, even though I didn't get it a lot when I was growing up, though, is that I experienced something that was really different. And the word is called mercy. So get your, get your middle fingers right here. I want you to wave like this. Yeah. So this is the word mercy. And it's kind of funny because it's the same finger that you point here for, for what? For, for favor, right? But this is the word mercy here. And the first time I experienced mercy was in a church. It was the first time that in a church that I felt compassion, I felt loved, I felt cared for. And there was food, right? <laughs> and I remember one kid that brought me to church... So if, if he brought me, he would get a toy, and I'd get a toy too. So it was kind of like, you know, like a win-win, right? But I just, I felt the mercy. And you know what's crazy? The this, this same um, word for mercy, you, you also associate the word grace. And you know what's right in ASL? This is mercy, but grace is like this, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and I experienced mercy for the first time in our church. Kind of like right here. This is our church right here. You know, sometimes in our church, right, we forget how much compassion and mercy that we give to one another. But sometimes in church, where we also forget that we have the power to do that, not just amongst these four walls, right, but outside these four walls. Maybe some of you here in our church, right, you haven't been giving someone um, favor. And you've given someone else more favor in a in, in wrong way. Maybe for some of you out here in our church, you haven't given mercy at all. matter, matter of fact, you're, you're, you're merciless. And so, you know, this morning, we're going to talk about what is James talking about? How can we be, be loving to our neighbors? How can we care, have compassion for those that are not favored, that are, are poor, that are not rich, that have no mercy? And so how can we talk about this morning, right? How is mercy greater than favoritism? So let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning as we come before you. To have and understand what, a, what an amazing God you are. That you provide this space and, and this place for us to, to seek you. Whether we know you because we grew up in the church. Or this is our first time really encountering what is this song that we're singing. That you're a good God. That may we be a place that could host guests and be welcoming. Because you have continued to host us and love us, Lord. Amen. Hey, church, can you give a hand for our, our students that are in grade school, middle school, high school, and in college right now? All right, man. You can definitely head back to your seats. You. So this morning, there is a lot going on in our world right now. Um, there is the question of what is equality between if you're an immigrant coming here legally or unlegally, how can you show more love and care to someone that doesn't have love or needs love, or in some cases, right, or in some cases, what is just and unjust right now that's going on in our world, and if you turn on to CNN... You go to a Twitter, you go to some kind of news outlet, there's something going on in our world that is just heart-wrenching. That it makes you want to say something, it makes you want to do something. And most of us, we don't know how to do it because we don't want to offend the person to the left of us or to the right of us. And so, like most people, we do our best to be polite, we stay silent. And every now and then we'll like another person's post or we'll have a small discussion you know, the other day I, I, was, I, was, on a, I was on a train ride um, on BART and I was talking to a lawyer and she was just so upset with the state of our nation that she was saying some pretty extreme words and opinions. But as I, as I sat there and I listened to her, I looked at her and said, you know, if people were just more compassionate, people have more mercy, people have more grace, do you think that the, our nation would be better? She stopped and said, yes. And she smiled, and you know, for me, I'm 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 really curious what people do. I'm like, so what do you do? She's like, well, I'm a I'm a I'm a public defender, and I just want to see those who are oppressed and poor to be represented. And this is not someone that. And I asked her what was her faith, who she was, and I just smiled. And she said, "What do you do?" And I smiled and I said, "I'm in ministry." And she kind of proud a little longer. What else do you do? Well, I'm. I'm, I'm in ministry and I just care for people. Just, oh, anything else? I mean, no, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, we're going to go through a series. We've been going go through a series in James uh, that's going to talk about what is simply um, testing, wisdom, and more importantly, about being poor and being wealthy. And what James does in the first few chapters, right, is that he goes through all three of those. And then the rest of the chapters, he actually reverses going back to the the very, very end of what he's talking about, which is he's going to talk about what does it mean to be poor and wealthy. And this morning, you know, we're going to talk about why is mercy greater than favoritism. And we hear these words a lot. You know, growing up, my parents, right, they had their favorites, right? And my dad would tell me every single opportunity that I was not his favorite that I was found near a dumpster, and he felt sorry for me and picked me up. And you know what? I actually believed it for a very, very long time. I said, I'm not dark as you, Dad. I'm taller than the rest of the family. Why, do, why is my last name different from everybody else, too? And I really believed it. But what I realized with my dad, though, was that, um, that he had a sense of humor that only families can understand. And I think also, too, is that Coming from a different country to America, he was trying to understand humor. He was trying to understand sarcasm. He was trying to understand different lingo, right? And this morning, why is mercy greater than favoritism? And the only way for us to do that is, let's get into the scripture and let's talk about favoritism. It's Favoritism. So remember, the word favor, get your middle finger right, put it to your chin, right? This is favor, Okay. And so this morning we're going to be reading through the Amplified um, Translation. I find it really, really encouraging the ways that um, it speaks. And so we're going to go into James 2, 1-7, and it says this. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing Find clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, stand there and sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judged with evil thoughts? Verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith, to inherit the kingdom he has promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich who are, who are exploiting you. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? Now, as humans, right, we're all humans here. Some, some of us are older humans or younger humans. Some of us have different color skin humans. Others have different cultures, different races, even different languages, right? But there are three things, uh, us as humans, that we could do, right, that I think are universal. It's one, how do we treat one another? So how do we treat one another is the first one. Two, how do we speak to one another? So how do we treat one another? How do we speak to one another? And third, this is the one that often doesn't get uh, a lot of, uh, I'll call it publicity. How do we think of one another? Now we could treat one another, how we speak to one another, could be really shown in favor or the things we do. But how we think of one another behind closed doors, in our mind, even walking down the street, you can never know. You never actually really know. Unless somebody speaks their mind, right? So, church, how can we do this? How can we treat each other like humans? And I think the best place for me, what I learned how to treat one another, was that opportunity I get a chance to be in church. Not seeing the church as the only place, but for me growing up poor in a, in a culture that I did not understand, that didn't show a lot of compassion, that had no friends on me, when I went to church, I began to understand love and mercy and grace. And church this morning, how, how can we be this to others? And also to each other here. You know, the verse that we're gonna look on the most on here is this. It says, verse one, it says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Now, we're gonna unload a whole bunch of stuff in this passage because of this. What is James talking about? James right now is an amazing guy. He is the half-brother of Jesus. He was a skeptic even the whole time Jesus was alive. Imagine Jesus being in your family, right? And your mom saying to you, why can't you be like Jesus, right? And you're like, I'm good. I'm James, All right? I'm going to be me. I'm going to do me. And he did do me. He was a skeptic. He did not believe that his brother was the Messiah. As a matter of fact, even when he was crucified, he was like, not good enough for me. He did not come to know his brother as Lord and Savior until his brother reappeared to him. Now James, no one believes that Jesus is Lord and Savior, he becomes an elder in the first church in Jerusalem. Some say that James was a person that was such a feared stand-up guy that one of my one of my friends, one of my pastors, I said, "What would you compare him to?" On like you know, uh, like, what would you compare him to, Lewis? Like, like a good friend of mine. He was like, "You know what, on if I would compare." James to any person that I could think of, be like a mob boss. I was like, what? A mob boss? Like, why? I was like, because he was so feared for his faith. He was so open about how to treat people, how to have compassion and love, that he wanted to care for the community, the city. And I was like, that's crazy, man. He's like, yeah, man, James is like no joke. Like, you don't mess. If you saw James right now, you, you would not want to mess with him. But you would want to be his friend. You would want to be in his church. You would want to be under his headship. And what James is talking about right now, this is the only line that he says, look. He says, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show criticism. This is the only part of the scripture that he uses the word Jesus Christ. And during this time, James, he was living in this Roman culture that there was a lot of honor and prestige by a certain name. James James knew that the Roman people did not care about Jesus. That didn't, he didn't care about that. He wanted to show his favor. He wanted to show that who he was worshiping was Jesus Christ. He said, "This is who you need to really understand and worship." Now, what was going on was that in this church, there were people that were in this congregation that were made up a lot of poor people. And then they were saying is that there were a lot of poor people coming in this church that were here and they're were, they were meeting other people. But what's going on is that when a poor, when the poor would meet someone that is rich, right, they would drop whatever is going on spiritually, even themselves, right, to honor them, to bring them, like, high, like, praise. And James said, you cannot do it. You, you, you should not show favoritism to only the rich. Now, we're living in a world right now where there is heavy discrimination, racist issue. And it's probably at every other news outlet something going on, right? And so James knew that this was gonna be an issue. You see, having favorites, having a favorite color, a favorite food, that's not what James is talking about. What James is talking about is that are you picking what kind of people or what kind of culture, what kind of person that you only wanna give favorite to because it brings you benefit? And you have no compassion and you have no mercy for those that do not fit your criteria. So James was talking to his own congregation who were poor, right? But they were rich in the Lord. See, Jesus comes to those that are poor not because they have nothing, right? It's because that they are relying on something that gives them richness, which is their faith. That's the kind of poor that James is talking about. But what these people are doing in his church right now, right, or the people that that he's overseeing right now, is that they're dropping all of that to really honor someone that is rich, right? He doesn't even use the word rich here. He uses things like their clothes, what they have, what's going on. And the better, to better, better show that for you. I'm going to call up one of our youth. So Atticus, can you come up, Atticus? Hi, Atticus, how you doing? Atticus, stand right here for me, Atticus. Atticus. Alex and I bond over many things, but one thing we bond over is Supreme Clothing, okay? So Atticus, stand over here, Atticus. I'm gonna give you a makeover, okay? So we're gonna use wealth in today's times, okay? So let's say uh, let's say Atticus is a hype beast, which is a guy that like just really enjoys like the latest trends, the, the most expensive brand. And we're not talking about like like Louis Vuitton or like you know, like Gucci, we're talking about like more streetwear, okay? So he, uh, he has a Supreme hat, so here you go, put that on. Yeah, you can put it on. Okay, so he has uh, the, latest, uh, the latest Supreme sweater. This is, uh, this is called the, the, um, the Last Supper Supreme sweater, and this is why is last Supreme. Here you go, you can put this on. Yeah, put it on. I know, there's, there's Jesus on the Supreme sweater, I know. I mean, I thought it was appropriate just to buy it just because there was Jesus on there, so. I take your time, it's okay, man. So here you go. This is your hat. And then he also has a, a, a collaboration with Supreme and North Face. So since he's an extra hype, he's going to put that over his sweater. Since he's really skinny anyways. So here you go. Your mom, that ain't feeding you, man. So just to, just to hype it up too. He, he will now actually carry a Supreme bag. Okay, so, so, so if this is not enough Supreme for him. Okay, so now if I saw... Atticus on the street, if I saw him on the street, there's no doubt I would walk by him and go, what's up, man? And I will just pass by because he's all swagged out. He's even wearing Supreme socks, okay? (laughs) Right? This is what James was talking about. The moment you see someone that is wealthy, this is like, you know, street, like cred, like urban wealthy... You know, I would go like, dude, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Like, where'd you, where'd you get the bag and like, the hat and, like, the jacket, you know? He'd probably tell me, like, you know, like, he bought it for, like, retail or he got a plug or, like, you know, he has a hookup or he goes on X, you know, to buy all this stuff, right? And so we'll have a lot of conversations. There, there has been so many times when, oh, when I wear this hat out, I get stopped so many times about, like, oh, you're in Supreme? And, and we just talk about that for like days, right? From kids to the TSA, you name it, right? But something about Supreme has this wealth connotation to it, right? That, that, that brings this. Now, so we know, so church, so we, right here right now, this is going to be wealth. So, so this, is, this is right here is wealth right now. So this is, this is rich, okay? This is rich, all right? And he's going to be favored, okay? So there's going to be a lot of favoritism because of he's rich, right? But I'm going to call somebody else that is not rich, that's not favored, okay? I'm going to call up... Uh, Atticus is a pod leader so Scott where's Scott at <laughs> Scott Scott you, you gotta stand on this side because you you cannot even be near him because you are not worth to be near him okay now remember so and it says right here is that why do you honor those who are wealthy and have these things when you are poor and you have nothing right and <laughs> Scott <laughs> let me like let like you know The one thing I really enjoy about Scott is that Scott's wealth is not in the material things. Scott's wealth is in his faith. Scott's wealth is because he is poor. Because he wants to recognize that he does have a Lord in Jesus. He does have a Lord in Christ. And that he submits to him. So that's the way that he, in turn, can love someone that is wealthy. That has all this swag. That wants this. But what if I told you this, that in our church that we do treat someone who's wealthy, who is poor, very differently? And we do. What if I told you this? What if I told you that the way I'm going to treat them is by giving them something, and that's going to affect me giving them something is because of who they are. And so I'm going to give them this. So since you're poor, you have this box. Since you're wealthy, you have this box. Now, do me a favor. Can you open up these boxes right now? Oh, I must all the cookies. Can you open it up? Can you show the church what what are, what are these? Dude, but no food in the sanctuary. Man, you're so wealthy. You don't know how to open like a box, man. <laughs> Dion, Amy, has his fingers even seen like you know? It's okay. <laughs> you're so wealthy, you don't even open boxes, man. <laughs> so my, uh, th- these are Antone's cookies. And if, you, if, uh, if you're ever in San Mateo, my brother has a cookie shop called Antone's Cookies in San Mateo on 2nd Street. And you know how you have family that have really good food? And you're like, oh, it's, 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 it's good. And you don't really talk about it. Dude, my brother's cookies are really, really good. Right. Just walking there the other day to get cookies, I saw three people leaving like, the block with cookie boxes. And I was like, this is crazy. My brother was the kind of guy that we never got along. And he, he hates to bake. But you know one thing he likes to do, He likes cookies. <laughs> and so hence the cookies that he has on own shop now. Now, I gave Atticus a box of cookies. And he might go on, well, of course you can give him cookies because he's wealthy. And so you want to get to know his plug and be with him. Maybe true, yes. Box cookies. And you're like, why are you giving Scott, who's poor? He's only rich in, in spirit. You're like, oh, that's great, on. Oh, it's not going to pay the mortgage, you know? And he's like, yeah. But why does he get cookies, too? You see, these cookies are not from me, right? But what if this cookies is from God? And God says, look, I'm going to give those who are wealthy, those who are poor, the same thing. The same thing. There's no favoritism for Scott, and there's no favoritism for Atticus. None. And you know what? And they're going to show the wealth right now to you. So I know we can't eat in here, but, you know, that's okay. Um, So if you have a nut allergy, I I advise you not to eat it. You're gluten-free. You're not sugar-free. Don't eat it, okay? So, um, Atticus, can you walk around? Because you're wealthy and all, you know. um, And this is probably a new concept. You actually serve people, but um, to serve people. (laughs) Scott, go ahead and serve people. Give me a hand for Scott and Atticus as they go around and give you some cookies. Now, as they passing around some cookies, um, this, uh, this past month, uh, my wife and I, we celebrated our 11th year of our wedding anniversary. So, and, um, you know, so I thought, hey, I'll pick out the most bougie, fancy restaurant in San Francisco. So we booked the only reservation on a Thursday night at 11:30, because I was like, "A oh, Friday's going to be our anniversary, it's fine we'll eat into our anniversary." And the place was called Che uh, Chefe. like this American, uh, Italian place, it great, great ambiance, everything. And here's the thing: forbade forbatim says, "This is the worst anniversary ever." She got food poisoning from a bad squash, okay? On top of that, someone decided in San Francisco to take the, like, some kind of meter post and throw it against our car just because they could. And so the next morning she was like, this was the worst. She's like, you know what, I will always remember this anniversary as the worst anniversary. I said, are you, are you, are you sure? Man? It was pretty good, the food, besides the food poisoning. And that then in our car, like, we could just pull it out. It's it's Okay. But what she told me when we were first dating, when she first saw me, she said, you know what? When I first saw you, you looked pretty wealthy. You looked like you had a, all together your clothes, your shoes, your hair. Like, you looked good. But when I started dating you, like, you duped me. Like, you, you had no money. And I was like, And I was like, so you want me to dress like how I really was, like poor? She says, yeah. I was like but I didn't want to be poor. I want to be rich, so I, I dress wealthy. She says, I know, I know.
1: She's like, I know,
0: but, ah. Uh. And that moment, right, I realized that all of us here, we, we want to be like Atticus, right? We want to be wealthy. We want to look wealthy. But at the same time, to most of us here, right, we also are poor in a, certain, in a certain way, right? Is it our faith? Is it actually the money in our account? Is it how we grew up? Right? But the richest that James is talking about is, are you going to be rich in him? Do you know in the name of Jesus that's going to make you rich in faith? And this is what he was wrestling with. And I guarantee you, the, the people that were under James, they were wrestling with this. Like, they're like, so I can have favor? I, what do you mean? And he's going to go more into it. And so, we're going to read James 2 to 8.13. So if we know what favoritism is and why, uh, uh, why is it should be less than mercy, then we should also know why is mercy greater? Why is mercy, right? Why is mercy greater than favoritism? Okay. And it says this. It says if, James 2, 8, 13, it says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are... Convicted by the law as lawbreakers. forever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. 11. For he who said you shall not commit adultery and also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery and do not murder, you have become a lawbreaker. 12. Speak and act on those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy trumps over judgment. Remember, we talked about human, our human matters. So we talked about how do we treat one another, how do we think about one another, right? And how do we speak to one another? So now we know that favoritism is not all that's supposed to be. As a matter of fact, that's just actually pretty bad. We just read right now that James says that having favoritism, you are a sinner. Favoritism is a sin. You heard it first. Not from me. Book of James. James says that if you show favoritism, if you discriminate, if you do not show mercy, you do not love others for just who they are, you are a sinner. I I sat there and I read it and said, wait, 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 wait. Favoritism is that bad? James says yes. And why he says yes is that, look, he says that there's a a law, right? The royal law. And it says the royal law is do you love one another? Can you love your neighbor? And some translation is called the supreme law. So I I was was like, I kid you not. This is the supreme law. This is the supreme law that we should love one another... I sat there and I said, This is the Supreme Law, then there should be no explanation of why there is favoritism or preference or downcasting for a certain group of people. And I said to myself, this is insane. And what James says is that if you find you don't commit adultery, you don't murder, good for you. But since you've shown favoritism to someone that is wealthy, that you should have more preference, that's use you, something you get out of it. You're a sinner. I guarantee you, if I was in James' time in his congregation or with his people, I would understand this. I would actually shake my head. So how can we do this? How can we love our neighbors? You see, favoritism is a sin. And if we're discriminating which is a sin and it breaks the law to not love our neighbors then we all have failed the royal law. We've all failed the supreme law. You know, showing mercy is probably one of the most hardest things um, that I've been trying to learn um, as a father. I have two daughters, uh, Karis, who is eight, and Addie, who is three. Uh, Karis is going to be eight in in a couple of weeks. And compassion and love... As, as you know as parents, right, around 9.30 to 10 o'clock, that's thrown out the window. You just want your children to be in bed, to brush their teeth, to put their pajamas on, and to go to their room. At that point, you don't really care about love and compassion. You call them by their middle names really meanly, and you and your spouse are walking by each other in the bathroom with that stare like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Talk to your daughter. Talk to your da- By then, you just want, like, them to be quiet. Just to go to sleep. Right? And there's, like, this, this, this. There, there's no love. Right? There's, like, no love. But when I sit down, right, and I think about compassion and mercy and love, those are human things that gets us going that makes us not want to love and have compassion. And not under the, the royal law. Because we're... F- all of us here, I think that, to be honest with you, by not even like by raising a hand or even speaking and treating, but the way we think is that we think that we're all rich here. Like all of us. And that we deserve something better. Like we're a VIP, there should be a parking spot for our church here. And we go into a restaurant, they should comp everything. And everything should be reserved for us, right? And so when we think that others need help or others are being put down, that we think that we're too good to deal with that because... Or better. For whatever reason why. There's a friend of mine that I met on Twitter. His handle is Seattle Tex Hex. He is a youth worker. Um, and his real name is Hector uh, Martinez. And this guy is so jovial in the ways that he just proclaims the name of Jesus by not even saying it about how he loves his youth, how he loves his church. And he currently works for a mobile old school car that goes around Seattle and sells coffee. And they set up shop anywhere. He posted this picture. And this picture is his car that got smashed in. And I saw this picture weeks before. And he would like, he would like, he, he posted a picture of like just the glass part of like being broken and going like, he puts something like, kind of like, really kind of artsy, like you know, our lives are like shattered, you know, glass, you know, like you know, it's beautiful and it's messy at the same time. I'm like, no one liked his Twitter picture or comment. I just loved it, and I was like, cool, you know, because he also follows another guy that uh, another pastor in Seattle that I, I really enjoy. And then weeks later, this picture of what happened to his car. What happened was, someone saw his UA. Uh, Bluetooth speaker on his, on his seat, smashed in, and stole it. Now, his car is really older, so um, he doesn't have an adapter for a Bluetooth for his, uh, his stereo. So he uses it for his phone so he could play podcasts, music, what's not too. So this person, who must really, really want this Bluetooth, you know, speaker, that was, he said it was probably $30 to $40, caused... $250 damage to a window. That I knew he couldn't afford. And I said, "Yo man, do you have a Venmo? Can I like just send you some love money like just because like I think you're amazing." He's like, "Who are you, one?" And he says, "Sure." And I just Venmo him $100. Because as a youth worker, as someone that was in his use before and still am now, I just wanted to show him a little bit of just mercy of a community out there that loves one another. And we're all connected by a simple thing like Twitter that I can just randomly see, that he's can see following somebody else too. And Hector and I, this coming week, we're going to have coffee in Seattle. we never met. I'm looking forward to so much talking about how God is working in him. And how God is working in his city, in his youth, in his coffee truck that goes around. We're Facebook friends now. Every now and then I like some of his pictures. For you in this room, what can you do? What can you do? How about this? Maybe this is you I'm talking to. Maybe some of you, you can stop treating, stop speaking, and stop thinking about favoritism to some Maybe for some of you here, how about you start treating, start speaking, and start thinking about mercy for all. This coming year, what I want to do is call one for one, for me personally. Whatever I buy, whatever I do, I want to get this, another, another item of it so I can either give away or give to someone in need. I'm gonna buy a hat. I buy two hats. I'm gonna give one of the hat away. I'm gonna buy a pair of shoes. I'm gonna get another pair of shoes and give another away. I'm gonna buy a meal. I'm gonna get to buy another meal for somebody else. That's, that's just me personally. Because sometimes, right, causes like, you know, a GoFund, how can you fly across the country to fight this fight here? They're not accessible for you, and I get it. I understand. But the moment you begin to put your wealth into something that you want to fight for and have mercy for, right, then you begin to have an investment in it. Can you have an investment into this community of people that you can love? And I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about outside the walls, your workplace, the people you're at school with, your classmates, the people you see on Twitter, your friends that you haven't seen for a long time. Enrichment for an ice cream. Walking out here straight up and seeing a guy that we have labeled that is homeless. While well, I see him as a, as a person, or he or she, they're the season for them. I have no, I have no understanding why where they're at. But there's a compassion and a love. There's a compassion and a love. You know, this morning, as we go into communion... We're going to commune because um, we want to celebrate uh, as a church what Jesus did on the cross for us. So as we uncover the elements of juice and bread, uh, the importance of the Last Supper is that Jesus never asked his disciples um, to remember his birth. But Jesus also asked us to remember his death and resurrection too. And this morning, um, whether you're a child or you've been here... As one of our guests, I want to welcome you to the altar. I want to welcome you to a, a time of prayer, of blessing. Of What is the Holy Spirit doing to you to move you to have more mercy and to not show favoritism, but to, to keep the golden rule, the supreme rule, which is to love your neighbors as you love me. First Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 says this. For I received from the Lord what I have passed on to you. And the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he was given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whoever... For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is an act. It is remembered. It is a symbol. And it's a statement. Here at Christian Laman Church, um, we have open practice for communion, which means that you do not be a member of our church because you are a member of the greater church. We only require for you to make a personal commitment with Jesus as Lord and Savior. If so, we ask you to come to the table, take a piece of bread, dip into the cup of juice, and take a part in the Lord's Supper. Um, Here at Christian Lemon Church, uh, we have two lines right down the middle. And in the front, we have uh, our, our prayer blessing. Is God really waiting on your heart to have more mercy, to have more grace, to not show favoritism? We have prayer in the front as well as prayer in the back. Let's let's pray. God, you are a good God that gives so much. The things that you do for us, amazing. But it's not the things that you do for us that I'm more concerned about. I'm more concerned about the things that maybe we don't notice of those around us. That are lost. Because we don't see them. Maybe there's a group of people that we have failed to give honor and love and mercy to because we're so busy, so busy being wealthy in ourselves to not remember how to give mercy. Let's come before you follow, Lord, to take this communion. May you Father Lord, allow our hearts to be transformed and worked in you. This is your first time hearing the name of Jesus, mercy and love. I'm excited for you to know more, to seek out more, to understand more. We love you, Lord. May this time be about you. Amen.